0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044 or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
0: This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben All on Twitter. He's Colin Bristrat, Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's a five-star review. Also available in Spotify and SoundCloud, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Old Spirit, OMSpirit.com and a food of 247 Sports. Coming up on the Modern Women phone line is Riley Allen, Old Miss Men's Basketball Strength and Conditioning Coach. But first, Colin, what's up, man?
2: Not much. It's been an interesting weekend from an Ole Miss sports perspective. They lose the basketball game on Saturday, and the baseball team's behind, and you think all's going to hell and wound up actually working out, I guess, halfway decently.
0: Ole Miss baseball took two of three from Louisville, the top-ranked team in the country. Honestly, going in, you and I talked off the record about this. Just get one this weekend it's a success, but you get two, you win the series, and you backdoor it. That's a whole different story.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Gutsy performances. I thought Gunnar Hoagland was really good on Saturday. His his stat line might not show it, but I thought he was really good. Same with Derek Diamond. I thought he was really good regardless of what his stat line said. And obviously the uh, offense had a big weekend, which I guess if you're an Ole miss fan is a good sign because I, you know, I think this uh I think this team's gonna pitch it a lot better than they did this weekend going forward.
0: Anthony Servidio hit five hundred from the leadoff spot. Kel Baker had a huge Saturday, three K's on Sunday. That's the definition right there. Of the three true outcome slugger, and that is Kel Baker. Even if he won't admit it, that's what he is. Monster day on Saturday, three Ks and four at-bats, but had a big single um, and an RBI on Sunday. Who most impressed you?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I think it's Baker, though. I mean, i think it's for different reasons than the four for four with two homers. What we talked about kind of in the offseason was he struggled with velocity uh, over in the fall and had a had a pretty bad fall he was able to turn on 97 and 95 on Saturday. He was able to get to fastballs. And I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, that's the most exciting thing is that he was able to handle high velocity pitchers. It would be one thing if he was doing this against, you know, Xavier next week, who's going to throw 87 at him, but this was against real velocity. Um, And, you know, the Juco kids had a lot of success this weekend. So I think, I think that's the most encouraging sign of the whole weekend is how the Juco kids perform.
0: Yeah. We need to give a lot of credit to Ben Van Cleave, who had a really good weekend pinch hit. I'm um, late on Sunday, I think in the seventh inning for Cade Sammons, rings a double, gets pinch ran for, but that's who he is. He comes off the bench, cold, doesn't matter, he's gonna hit. The one guy that impressed me most of all, and I don't care that he went hitless for the weekend, is Hayden Dunhurst. That arm
2: was as advertised. I thought he was really good at framing the baseball. He he dropped some balls he probably shouldn't have, but I think he's an elite level framer already. And you you know, you mentioned he went hitless 0 for eleven with seven strikeouts, but that's not what anybody remembers from the weekend. Uh, He was able to control a really good running game in Louisville and and shut that down. And Man, a catcher that can throw and frame and do the things he can behind the plate is is so invaluable that it doesn't really matter what they hit.
0: Just provide good defense. You do that? Okay. Overreaction time after taking (laughs) two of three from Louisville. What's your greatest overreaction about this baseball team?
2: I think there's a pathway. Now, let me be clear when I say this. I'm not expecting it. No, it's overreaction Monday. I think this team can be a national seed. I think there's a path. I think they can be a top eight national seed. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying that if Doug Nikhazy is what he think we think he is, Gunnar Hoagland what he, we think he is, that offense, if it is what this weekend showed it is, this team's really, really good, man. And I think – here's another thing. Man, they played with an edge all weekend. I don't know if Louisville just pissed them off but they were going at Louisville all weekend. And I, if you're an Ole Miss fan, that's kind of something that's, that you like to see because, I, you know, I've been a little bit critical of past Ole Miss teams that if, uh, you know, I didn't know how well they would do if they ever got in a bench-clearing brawl. This one might be a little bit different, though.
0: Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you briefly about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is SolaOxford.com or give them a call at 662 238 3500 Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram using the at SolaOxfordMS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford on the Oxford Square. Are you ready for my overreaction? Because you're going to need to wear some oven mitts. It's hot. Oh, I'm sitting I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down. Okay. This freshman class, this new crop of rebels newcomers, is the best chance for Ole Miss in this three major sports. To win a national championship since I've
2: been alive, I can go along with that. Obviously, we look back on 2005 and with Head and all of them. I guess that would have. been I'm the talking
0: all-, all sports.
2: Oh no, I know, I know. But I'm, but you know, number two would probably be Head's group, right? Head and Petway.
0: And then what? 2016. Yeah. 2016 yeah, I mean, football.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, or 13 football, whichever one you wanted to label it. But yeah, I think I agree. I think i agree if they're going to win a national title, it's probably with this group because, man, they're all on the field. There's a bunch on the field right now, and from this weekend, they all look like they're ready to go.
0: Look at this team right now, and they're going to be competitive. I agree with you. I think they're going to make a strong postseason push potentially for a national seed. But if you can, and it's hard because they just started the 2020 season, but if you can, think of what they're going to be in 2021. Mm Mm-hmm. Peyton Chatinier is a sophomore. Jerry Onelia is a sophomore. Hayden Dunhurst is a sophomore. Kate Sammons. Connor Walsh was one of the most highly ranked signees that they had. And he is nowhere to be found right now. Had a bad fall, had a bad preseason. He's Tate Blackman all over again. We're so used to guys coming in and being good immediately that those that don't, we immediately write them off now. We shouldn't because there's so many cases, such as Tate Blackman, of guys that need a year to get acclimated and to start performing to their abilities. And I think Connor Walsh is a good example of that. Kel Baker and Ben Van Cleave, they're D.H.'s. They're not going to be gone after the draft this year. Maybe one gets taken. I doubt it. They have no defensive position. Then you have juniors in your rotation in Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland and a sophomore Derek Diamond and a sophomore Wes Burton You start to put it together how deep next year's roster is going to be. That's a national championship contending team. And it's why you and I've talked about this before with Mike Bianco. Not rolling over the contract after last year seems short-sighted. And if you're judging him specifically on this year, he needs the opportunity with this group next year. That group is going to be something special. And if he falls short, if they don't host a Super Regional or whatever, or make it to Omaha with that group, I get your gripe. This year, this team is going to come into its own. It's going to be competitive. I like their um, cockiness this weekend, how they went at Louisville, like you said. It was obvious, Peyton Chatney specifically. But next <laughs> year, next year, it's hard not to get excited about what they're going to be. I think they're going to be a good team. You and I were bullish on them going into the year. And I think this weekend was only encouraging from that point of view. But man alive, if you start thinking the next year and projecting for next year about what they could be, it's sick.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. The uh, like you mentioned, the rotation—you've got two guys that'll be their third year in rotation, and a kid in Diamond that—I mean, it was extremely good yesterday. It was a highly touted kid coming out of high school, um, and you know you got players like Wes Burton and, and others. Uh, I like Braden Forsythe that came in the game on Saturday. So I mean, there's there's dudes on that roster. You know? So I think 2021's got a chance to be extremely special. But and and I know you're not, but man, I wouldn't count off this year because simply. I'm because not. No, I know. I'm just saying, look, that offense, it shows up on a weekend, week out basis. And the pitching is what we think it is. They got a shot this year.
0: They have a shot. There's going to be some roller coaster to this season because you're dealing with freshmen and the volatility that come with freshmen. Hayden Dunhurst, like you mentioned, good as he was defensively, as advertised defensively, impressed the hell out of every one of us. He was 0 for 11 with seven strikeouts, overmatched completely against Louisville pitching. Now that's the best weekend rotation that they're probably going to face as a whole on yeah. the year, and they came out winning two of three. So give them credit there. But for Hayden Dunhurst, it's only going to get better from here. It was a tough opening weekend at the plate, and you're going to deal with that. And Anthony Servideo is not going to hit 500 for every single weekend. But Anthony Servideo looked like he was ready for his star turn this weekend. He understandably took a back seat to Gray Kessinger and Thomas Dillard and whoever else, Cooper Johnson, maybe Cole Zabowski, you name it, Tyler Keenan certainly, now it looks like his team. Even with Tyler Keenan betting two spots behind him, Anthony Servideo has become, in short order, the face of this program. So many guys left, sure, and all the newcomers, everyone's excited about that, but Anthony Servideo quickly embracing the face of the program title. It's Anthony Servideo. He's the guy. Because you know what you're getting with Doug, and he's eccentric, and you like him and all these things. But Anthony Servideo is out there every single day. And if he's performing like at the level he did this weekend, it's superstar time. Sky's the limit.
2: You know, it's funny with Anthony. Um, he made two errors on Sunday, and I know one wasn't given to him. It was given to Dunhurst, but it was on him. I thought he played a phenomenal shortstop, too. He was really good this weekend. That that ball he hit on Sunday, I could have just been seeing things, but that's one of the farthest hit balls I've seen in that stadium in a long time. And for Ted to come, don't really expect that, so – you're right. It, it, it looks like he's one of the leaders on this team. And, man, he showed out this weekend. He played a phenomenal shortstop, and I think he had hits in all three games. He was actually really good against left-handed pitching, uh, which is one of the things that I thought was a big deal coming into the year because he struggled against them last year. If he's good against left-handed pitching, he's got a shot to shoot up draft boards. I guess in that same vein, another thing I said going into the year was that I wanted to see how Kevin Graham did against left-handed pitching, and that quite, didn't go quite as well.
0: The Devin Thomas preseason hype award—who underperformed or underwhelmed you this
2: weekend—was who? Ooh, oh man, that's that's tough. It's it's not even because wow, that's Cade Salmon's, I guess. But nobody really had a bad weekend.
0: It's three uh-huh. games. It's three games.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like if you, if, man, like he had one bad play in the le- in center field where he throws the ball away, but like I mean, I'm not judging a true freshman on that. So. No,
0: no. I was surprised that Jerry Ely didn't get at least one more start and give him a chance against a righty. You can't yeah. do the whole lefty righty thing with Jerry Ely and Cade Sam as good as Cade was in the preseason, As much as they like him, as important as he's going to be to this program moving forward, the disparity in talent between Jerry on and Cade is obvious to me.
2: Yeah, Jerry needs to be a center fielder. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, simply put, he's the center fielder of the future. He needs to be the center fielder. And uh, I think he will be. I think he'll start both midweek games, and I think he'll start at least two of the games this weekend. So he had a tough weekend at the plate, but I don't think there's really anything anyone should worry about there.
0: It wasn't really tough. He had good at best. He just didn't get results.
2: Yeah. He kind of looked overpowered against Detmers, but who doesn't? Well, I mean, my God.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i mean the number two like, pitcher in the country. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, come on. I'm not even worried about that. I will say Tyler Keenan was pushing up against potentially being underwhelming guy of the weekend. And then he came through like he always does on Sunday. Yeah. But the deal yeah. with Tyler Keenan is, and I hate to say it, but it's true. I'm worried about his conditioning. He doesn't look any different than he did two years ago.
2: Yeah, you know, he had some problems over there in Hoover last year. I think he just some heat problems. So that, that's certainly a worry for you. But not nah, you know, look, Keenan Keenan came to Ole Miss hitting. He'll leave Ole Miss hitting. So I don't think you want to get too worried about uh, uh, you know him hitting 270 this weekend with with a sub 700 OPS, but you know I, the first two games I, I think he'd tell you weren't, you know, two of the better games of his career. He didn't look real good against Detmers and uh he struck out with with guys on third base less than two outs. It's you know, not two of his better games of his career, but you know, like he, he comes through on Sunday with two big hits and, and gets almost the lead. I think he gave him the lead there in the seventh. So um that's what your that's what your junior is supposed to do when he's played for two years and give him credit he came through for him on Sunday.
0: Wes Burton couldn't have been more impressive.
2: Yeah. The uh Tall, kid, man. I was sitting right behind home plate. You knew he was 6'8". Yeah, I knew he was tall. I didn't know he was 6'8". <laughs> so he takes the mound, like, good God. And that 89 to 90, man, it looks a lot different from 6'8 than it does six foot. Like, it's a different deal. Yeah, it's coming downhill on you. <laughs> yeah, that's a different deal. And he was, those Louisville cats had no prayer.
0: Oh, none. The pitch yeah. plane is totally different because Derek Diamond, good as he is, he looks like a normal human being. So when you go from him to Wes Burton, it's pretty drastic. It's pretty jarring. Yeah, I
3: mean,
2: I, I'm fascinated right there what they kind of do with Burton. See, I loved what Mike did. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. But what I'm saying is I think they wanted him to be a starter, but I don't think you can waste him in the midweek throwing against Arkansas State. And no, stuff. no. He's got to be available on the weekends.
0: Greer Holston's going to throw against Arkansas State. I like that move. The yeah. only issue I had was throwing multiple innings with Taylor Broadway on Friday when you were losing that game. I didn't like that, and you blew him for the weekend. Which meant on Sunday, after you piggybacked both true freshmen and they gave you everything possible that you could have wanted, you're trying to close out the top-ranked team in the country with, God love him, Max Trophy.
2: Yeah. And 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 that's a
0: precarious situation to put yourself in. It's a self-inflicting wound.
2: Any surprise there, they didn't go to Greer for the ninth. Because he'd only thrown like 15 pitches the day before. Well,
0: he was saving him because he's starting in the midweek.
2: Well, I I don't disagree, but that kind of seems dumb to me. Like, wouldn't you rather him I agree with you, but that's just, I'm telling you what he was thinking. Okay. Um, So I was a little surprised he didn't go to Greer there. But, you know, uh, I think that's interesting. He's starting him against Arkansas State. I don't think they want Greer Holston to be their midweek starter. I think they want more out of him than that. So I'm kind of curious what their thought process is there.
0: I think it's because he's the one guy this weekend who wasn't overworked of all those candidates for the midweek. Okay,
2: yeah. And Forsythe, I figure we'll both pitch tomorrow or uh, Tuesday. But here's the
0: thing. This shows you why losing Tyler Myers was so big. Yeah. They needed him in the bullpen. They needed him for spot starts. He was going to play probably the biggest role of anybody. And I know Austin Miller is Mr. Bullpen Arm. They're going to throw him until his arm is dead this year. But Tyler Myers was probably going to be the MVP because he could play so many different roles for you. His versatility was so valuable. And now they don't have it, and they're trying to figure out what the roles are going to be. The bullpen usage was strange. I loved what he did on Sunday, however, piggybacking them both true freshmen. And Wes Burton, he's so competitive. He's out there like talking to himself, (laughs) cussing himself out. It's a very likable team. And it's easy to go overboard with um, your optimism and your encouragement from what you saw this weekend. But, man, they're so likable. So many good personalities. You're going to love, of course, Kel Baker, who's Kenny Powers. And you're going to love Peyton Chatagnier, who's um, cocky, and he backs it up, but he's a good kid. And Hayden Dunhurst is about as solid as a kid as you'll ever meet. Derek Diamond, great. I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. It's one of the most likable groups of a team that I've ever covered. I've been doing this since oh God, since I was 17 years old. I'm 34. I've been doing this a long time. And this <laughs> is the most likable team so far that I've dealt with in esport. They're talented. It's just a likable group.
2: Let's give some credit. You know, we we said we didn't really understand some of the things Mike did over the weekend from the bullpen perspective, and, and that that's fair. But let's give some credit here. Mike bunted one time this weekend. No,
0: one I'm time. giving him a lot of credit. There are a lot yeah, of things I like. Yeah. I mean the first thing I said was I loved what he did on Sunday, piggybacking Derek Diamond right. with West yep. Burton. Uh, but you're right, only bunning once. Now I
2: hated the bunt. I did too. I hated <laughs> it. If you offer me one bunt a weekend for Mike Bianca though for the rest of the year, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> because I love that just because Hayden Dunhurst is struggling offensively, doing nothing for you, you didn't pinch hit him with Knox LaPasser. No. Because you know that his defensive value far outweighs whatever you're gonna get from Knox LaPasser offensively. Yeah, and he won the game with the strike-emount throw him out.
2: The only time I would have used his posture this weekend was when they didn't. It was when uh, Graham came up late in the Sunday game against the left-handed pitcher, because I just don't think that's going to be a thing right now.
0: Yeah, but you have to see if Kevin Graham can do anything against lefties. And it's like that with Jerrion and righties. Jerrion yeah. is the superior talent to Cade Sammons. He's got to hit against righties. Kevin Graham, he's a great power hitter against righties. But if he's going to become a good all-around hitter, he has to show that he can do something against lefties. Anthony Servidio figured it out. Anthony sure Servidio could do nothing against lefties as a freshman. Then he started to come around as a sophomore because they gave him those at-bats. They said, look, you've got to go prove it. you got to show that you can do it. And he did, and now look at him. Kevin Graham, same deal. At some point... Either you're going to sink or you're going to swim. You're going to be a platoon bat or you're going to be an everyday slugger that Ole Miss can't
2: live without. You've seen them a lot more than me, and I just thought about this. What kind of defender at second base do you think Chatney is? He didn't have a ton to do this weekend. He's great. Kind of He's great. Up the middle, they're elite, right? Because they yes. really awesome. Dunhurst is awesome. Ely's awesome, and Chatagnier's really, really good.
0: Now, they don't have the arm strength that they have with Gray at shortstop, but from a glove perspective, with Anthony at second base and Gray Kessinger at shortstop – There's no drop-off with Chatagnier and Servideo. Not that Anthony has a bad arm. He just doesn't have Gray's arm, but who the hell does? Gray's absurd. Kale Baker also, before we move on here,
2: the SEC Baseball Co-Player of the Week. It's funny how they do baseball because, you know, Cale really only played well in one game. But when you play that well in one game, buddy, you uh, make a lot of noise.
0: Yeah, well, if you look at it on paper, he had four hits over the weekend. They just all came on one day.
2: He had five. He had one on Sunday. Yeah, five
0: hits. Excuse me, five yeah. hits, two home runs. That looks good. When you didn't watch all three games,
2: let me ask you this: There's one negative, and and you can tell me if you think it's a big deal or not. Ole Miss struck out in thirty-two. I don't care. Them. You don't care? Not at all.
0: You know how I feel about strikeouts.
2: Yeah, that's certainly fair. But like, there, there's all that's
0: going to happen when you got
2: freshmen. No, you're right. You're right. I just wonder if you thought that was cause for concern at all.
0: No. You faced one of the best Friday night starters you're going to face in Reed Detmers. You faced a dynamic Saturday starter in Bobby Miller. This is the best weekend rotation they'll face. And then the very best Sunday starter. That kid was good. You're going to strike out. And strike out a lot. But Ole Miss is not looking to just put the ball in play softly. What's the point? When they make contact, they're looking to do damage. Not all of them. Justin Bench is so underappreciated. I was talking to somebody early Monday. And they're like, ah, you know, I don't know what to think about Justin Mitchell. I was like, why? He played left field, right field, second base, played all of them plus plus as a defender, and he also had three hits. He did? That's
2: Justin Bench. But he played so solid. Could he play center if they needed him to just in case? I didn't know if he was was athletic enough.
0: I mean, look at him. Look what he did in left field. He'd never played left field before. (laughs) Looked like he'd been there his entire life. I'm not convinced that Justin Bench doesn't draw more starts than anybody in center field if Jerrion doesn't hit, and Ben Van Cleve hits, and Kevin Graham hits, and Kel Baker hits. Those are three designated hitters.
2: What do you think about defensive-wise for uh Leatherwood? He had a good day on Sunday. Do you think he's, he's good enough defensively to stick in a corner? Absolutely. Okay. I was
0: surprised to see him hitting eighth. I'd have been hitting him sixth, but I'm not the manager, and Mike Bianco has forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. So hitting him eighth. Maybe he was just trying to see. But Hayden Leatherwood, he's got to be good for you, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. he's the guy that you looked at coming out of the fall and thought, he's going to back cleanup for me. That's a guy that you want to hit in the middle of the order, behind Kel Baker, maybe sandwich him between Kel Baker and Kevin Graham. He needs to stick in a corner. But let's also do one more thing before we move on to Riley Allen. Give Tim Elko his due. I know a lot of people look at the numbers and say, oh, God, here we go. Only two <laughs> hits over the weekend, hitting 200 for the year. This is Tim Elko? Look at how good he is defensively. Made a dynamic play in right field going up against the wall to rob a hit. Another dynamic play defensively at first base. The defensive value matters. And he got a home run and hit two other balls really hard and got robbed. Actually had a RBI single robbed of him in the seventh inning when he was the ninth man to come up to the plate. Tim Elko had a really productive weekend. Don't get totally obsessed with the numbers and get ready to already dismiss Tim Elko. They love him. He had a really good weekend. He deserves some love.
2: My adoration for Tim Elko has, has been stated. I like the kid, and I think he can play. Here's um, the
0: deal: I think we would still be this encouraged even if they had lost on Sunday.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. If you know, instead of Hayden uh, Dunhurst throwing out the kid, uh, Chophy leaves that fastball a little bit down, and he hits it over the center field wall. I mean, I mean, are you really that much? You know, are are you viewing this team that much through a different lens at that point?
0: They fell behind three to nothing. Yes. And didn't blink. In the roster good. of twenty-three underclassmen to eleven upperclassmen, three of which of those upperclassmen juco transfers.
2: And they didn't blink. And they weren't playing well. Like they yeah, were down three to nothing, and they had cost themselves runs out on the bases and Servidio had missed screwed up a rundown. I mean, they, they were not playing well, and then all of a sudden something just clicked and they decided that they were going to beat Louisville.
0: This is Talk of Champions. I've Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars. Also available in Spotify and SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. they right for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmasSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Ole Miss Basketball almost pulled off the weekend upset of mm. Kentucky. Didn't do it. Probably should have. Hadim C. still trying to figure out where he fouled that dude. No idea. <laughs> Completely turned the game. They still played hard. They're playing better. I don't know. Ole Miss is in a precarious situation. Needs to win as many games as possible. Go to Columbia on Tuesday. But what about the strength and conditioning aspect of it? What do you do in season? How about those red-shirt players like Jarkel Joyner, Sean Robinson, Luis Rodriguez? What are they doing? It's Riley Allen. He's coming up now on the Modern Woodman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and
2: desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor.
1: Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative.
2: Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs.
0: Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures. The Modern Woodman phone line.
2: Call, cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports.
0: Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Ole Miss basketball strength and conditioning coach Riley Allen. Riley, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, uh, Pretty good, Ben. Just getting ready for another road trip to Missouri. How are you? I'm good, man. So what's your life right now? What's it like for you strength and conditioning wise with these guys as they're in season?
3: In season, you know, it's a little different. Um, we're not lifting, you know, four to five times a week. We're staying two to three times, depending on on the schedule. Um, kind of got more individualized lifts with the red shirt guys who obviously aren't playing. They'll have an extra lift or two a week. Um, again, depending on travel schedule and things like that. So it's uh same amount of hours, maybe more hours in the office, but uh, not as much training time just to do with uh, the amount of time we're spending on the floor. Is it
0: individualized for the guys that are playing, not just the red shirts? Like Blake Kinson, for example, coming off the injury or the blood abnormality, his day's probably different than Brian Tyree.
3: Um, as far as the weight room stuff goes, um, n- not for me, no. Um, you know, There's been some practice modifications that I think we're about out. Of- as far as the weight room, no. It's much more uh, minute-based as far as individualization goes. Um, Guys playing 20, 25 minutes um, a game. I usually look at a three-game running average. So, um, you know, if I just looked at overall season minutes um, and Tavion Collin would still be looking as much as um, some of the other guys who aren't playing as much. But I look at a three-game running average, so it kind of keeps adjusted for uh, who's playing well at the time. Um, That would, you know, dictate, you know, what our lower body training is potentially. Maybe it's a different exercise or, a lower percentage or a set or two less things like that. Um, So that's how we manage the, uh, the higher minute guys in season. And then of course it's the, uh, the guys who aren't playing as much will have a regular list when they're in the weight room. And then uh, the red shirt guys are even up another level. So it's almost like a three level um, system we run in season.
0: Y'all chart everything with Kermit's point system. What's charted for the weight room strength conditioning wise, what do they have to do in season to ensure they don't get on the wrong side of the points?
3: Um, body weight's a big thing with us, um, in season, especially just making sure guys are taking care of their body. Um, there's going to be some fluctuation depending on, you know, are you coming off an off day, coming off a game day? Um, but you know, we weigh these guys about twice a week. Um, so, so you can kind of take the average of those two and make sure that we're staying on track for that. So that's a big, big part there. Um, we are fairly aggressive upper body wise. We've been hitting some heavy singles on the bench, um, the past month and had some success with that. Um, so if guys are beating their single um, or one rep—not on not a complete max out—but it's a heavier single, um, guys are beating that week to week. Uh, to and guys, most of our guys are stronger upper body wise now than going into season lower body. Um, you know, trying to hang on for dear life with the six, seven man rotation, um, eight man rotation we're running. Um, so those are just some of the different things that we that we track in season.
0: Who's impressed just so far with their work in season?
3: Not named like a Brian Tyree. Um, and Tavion's lower body. I mean, I think you can tell from the past three or four games, if you pay attention to him down low, I mean, even as much as, um, him getting switched off on Nick Richards and some of those, you know, six ten, six eleven guys, um, with him being six, seven minus the hair. Um, he, um, he's extremely strong, lower body, upper body, um, strength is coming on. It's a work in progress with him. Um, you know, again, I, and I don't remember if I mentioned this last time we talked or not, but I mean, Bryce Williams strength in the weight room compared to, um, you know how he looks um, physically. I mean, he's his. I mean, he's benching probably two twenty-five, two thirty now for a guy that's one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Um, as a, you know, his first real year in the weight room. Um, Bryce is a guy that's uh, fairly strong uh, that, that people just wouldn't wouldn't think.
0: As far as like keeping these guys game ready, uh, what do you do out with them in practice just to keep them going, keep them conditioned and all that. Um, in
3: season, most of the conditioning, ninety nine percent of the conditioning comes from practice. Um just the you know, the five on five work we do. We do some full court uh passing drills, um, you know, things of that nature that you know, maintain our conditioning in season. Um, you know, not a ton different. You know, we really push these guys to get in the training room um with Andrew, who does a phenomenal job with these guys, you know, even days after games he's up here. Um, even if it's quote unquote an off day, these guys still come in and get Get treatment. Uh, so, you know, they're all from practice film, none of that, but they still come in and see the medical staff. Um, he does a really, really good job of getting those guys in extra for treatment, um, whether it's, you know, cold tub, stem, the Normatech compression boots, you know, if they've got an injury where they need to, you know, be working on certain things. So, I mean, I, I would say that is probably the uh, the biggest difference uh, in season is just the amount of time that they spend with Andrew, um, trying to make sure they're 100% or as close to 100% as they can be. What's the update on the redshirt guys? Uh, you wrote a good article the other day on that. Um, a lot of that Thank stuff, you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. A lot of that stuff, you know, is, is is right where it's supposed to be as far as body weights. I know that was some of the things y'all talked about in that article. Um, Jarkel Joyner showed up at 168 pounds. Um, he's staying 179 to 180 right now. So we're looking at about a 12 pound jump with him. Um, Sean Robinson showed up on campus, 199 at a, every bit of 610, um, maybe a little hair over 610, um, 199 pounds. He's staying 219 to 220. Um, now, so, you know, he's put on 20, 20 solid pounds there. Um, and then, you know, with Luis, where he's coming off that injury, um, he's just doing everything we can to get him back to being able to start practicing and things like that. Um, and I, I'd say he's getting close. I don't know how close, um, that'd be an Andrew question. Um, but he's getting, getting back to where, you know, maybe we can start doing some, some drill work on the floor, you know, light drill work. I don't know, maybe the next seven to 10 days. I'm not sure.
0: With Luis, whatever he does come back, do you have to bring him along slowly? What's the plan for him?
3: Uh, He's been doing a lot of... uh, We have an underwater treadmill in the Tui Center that's phenomenal. Um, The treadmill runs underwater, and there's a current that presses uh, or pushes um, against you as well. You can do one or both of those. Uh, So Luis has spent quite a bit of time in that. Across the street at the Gillum Center, there's uh, an anti-gravity treadmill. So you stand in it, you like dip into these shorts and the... Treadmill has this kind of cover around it that goes up to your waist, fills up with air, um, and you can take a certain percentage of body weight um, off the athlete so they can still run. Uh, So he's done quite a bit of that over there. You know, maybe he started it only running with 30% of his body weight, and then a week later it's 40% or whatever that protocol with our sports medicine staff looks like. But those are the two big things that we've been doing, just trying to get back um, as far as running and slowly building in to that foot, uh, you know, absorbing more and more weight, um, but being very, very smart about it.
0: As far as Sean goes, when he came in, weight strength wise, didn't look like he was that far along. Saw him recently; he looks different. Uh, but how long did it take him to adjust? And what have you seen from him as far as progress in terms of how he's adjusted to the weight room?
3: You know, Sean obviously was a reclass, um, so he's still supposed to be a senior in high school. He steps on campus in August; he goes straight to class. You know, a lot of those uh, you know new recruits in basketball and football as well well, maybe not the mid-year guys for football, but the guys that get here in the summer, that's changed some. Um, you know, you kind of got a summer period to adjust a little bit. You know, Sean's supposed to still be a senior in high school and just thrown into the fire. Um, so I've been impressed with his maturity at his age, being able to handle the classwork, the study hall, making his grades, all the basketball stuff, again, without without having some sort of uh, buffer, if you will, to kind of get used to that. Um, so that, that was a big part with Sean is just getting adjusted to the college lifestyle, which is you know, part of what reclassing the, one of the main benefits of that is um, and just the access to food. Um, and especially as a freshman uh, I'm pretty sure they have unlimited swipes um, at different meal places around campus, whether it's in the dorm, at, you know, at the grill over at the Manning center um, some of those different places. So just encouraging Sean just to, you know, eat smart, but just eat, eat, eat has been a lot um, with him. And then, you know, one thing we've talked about the important hydrations before, um, you know, a lot of these guys coming out, don't eat our athletes, period, uh, you know, take any sport, don't really understand the importance of hydration and how that can affect body weight as well. Um, so just, you know, coaching these guys up and staying on about hydrating. Um, Andrew, our athletic trainer, tests hydration levels daily for practice. So these guys kind of know where they are and what it takes to stay hydrated. We test those on game day as well. So that would say, I would say that's the biggest deal with Sean is he's learned how to eat better, how to eat more, how often to eat. Um, and then the hydration and, you know, drinking water throughout the day, you know, not just when you're thirsty, you know, we tell him you know, if you get thirsty, it's too late, you know, you should have already, you know, been drinking. Um, so those are the two big adjustments for Sean. And then of course the weight room stuff kind of takes care of itself. He spent a lot of, you know, one-on-three time with me, if you will, with him, Jarkel and Louise on game day. Um, so that's done a, a wonder wonders for him, um, uh, being able to have that, you know, limited, you know, one to three coach to athlete ratio instead of one to 15, uh, to really get him going, so he's uh, he's handled this register year thus far phenomenally, um, and I'm really excited about him.
0: Learning how to eat, when and how. What does it take? Is it an individual thing, or can pretty much everybody follow the same playbook, and then
3: you make minor alterations? Pretty much it's the same playbook. I mean, it's, you know, for me working in football in the past, you know, you have guys that need to gain weight, you've got guys that need to lose weight. Um, on football, you know, it's you know a lot of both. Uh, in hoops, it's you know primarily guys trying to put on good lean body mass. Um, so a lot of that stuff is kind of, you know, make sure you eat breakfast, you know, try to get three meals before 3 PM, um, eat before bed, you know, those type of things, you know, are pretty standardized. Um, and then once the guys kind of get to, you know, their playing weight, they need to be, sometimes we've got to adjust, um, as far as how much they're eating and things like that. But it, it's pretty much a, you know, very similar plan because the, the overwhelming majority of the guys need to gain weight. All right. For guys that need to lose
0: weight, what do you tell them?
3: Um, it's this more is about- free I-
0: advice for everybody that's listening. If you haven't guessed.
3: Well, I might need to not answer that question then. <laughs> um no, it's it's similar as far as you know still getting up and eating breakfast. You know, maybe it's uh, you know, not a not a, a meal before bed. You know, it's more about, you know, how much you're eating of stuff, not necessarily what you're eating. So, you know, still letting them eat things that they enjoy eating within reason, but instead of, you know, an entire plate of it, it's a third of a plate of it. You know, things like that. More portion control. Um you know, and then especially in season on the road, they're eating, you know, depending on the road trip, you know, three to five, three to six meals with us, you know, for every away game and you have a home away split, that's nine meals that we're kind of able to oversee to some degree, you know, Hey, don't eat that much of that. Eat more of this. So you're able to spend more time with them. Um, education's huge with that. Um, Dr. Valiant does a great job with our guys when to do consulting and things like that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big part of, you know, guys trying to lose weight. Um, it's just, it's more portion control. That's
0: probably the most important thing. It's not what you eat so much as how you eat, how much you
3: eat and when you eat. Correct. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you don't need to go into Cane to get fried chicken and French fries. I don't care how much of that you eat, but you know, um, with things that are kind of, you know, if you want a hamburger, fine, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, it'll be a single patty without, you know, without a top bun instead of a double you know, double burger. You know, some things like that uh, as far as managing portion control.
0: Guys that are going to be coming back next year. Uh, what have you seen from a Blake, a KJ in season? Have they hit the benchmarks? And do you start formulating a plan now?
3: I start planning the off season. You know, whether it's the last week in you know in March, if we're talking the sec you know second week in April, depending on uh, postseason postseason things. Usually, the first of February is when I start um, evaluating those things. You know, starting to put the plan together, uh, pen to paper, if you will. Um, not that anything's finalized, because I mean, obviously, you know, start date of all season and things like that. You don't you know you don't really have a clue. Um, But as far as, you know, things that I think we need to get better at, things that we want to attack, um, you know, those things, you know, start, start in February, Uh, you know, KJ and Blake, you know, you see freshman year to this year, you know, completely different. Um, I think both of those guys will make another huge jump this offseason. KJ right now is playing about 226, uh, which is, you know, the heaviest he's ever been. And he's been, um, you know, as a sophomore, especially an old sophomore, you know, being this late in the year and the amount of minutes played, um, he's matured a lot as far as maintaining his body weight and understanding, you know, what exactly that takes in a season. You know, that's a that's a huge thing that I don't think people talk about, you know, as much with freshmen or even JUCO transfer guys, um, is, you know, you just getting through the grind of that season and understanding what it takes to be successful, especially late in the year. Uh, and you can talk about it all the time, but until guys go through that, um, it's tough to, you know, tough to really fully understand. Um, so that's something KJ, you know, compared to last year, you know, we, we were fighting the state. 216, 217 this time last year. Um, and now, you know, he's been 226, 225, you know, very, very consistently. Um, and he's played more consistently. So, you know, a lot of those things, you know, tend to be correlated.
0: What have you seen from Jarkel?
3: Jarkel um is an extremely athletic, hard worker. Um, he's Was he pretty similar, well put together once he got here? I wouldn't say he wasn't put together. Again, you know, he's 168 pounds. Now he's, you know, about 179. Um, a lot of that, though, I mean, him stepping on campus as a freshman out of Bakersfield. He didn't get a lot of training as far as didn't get a shirt year. And he was always a high minute guy. So the amount of, I guess, training time under the bar um, was probably less than a lot of freshmen. Um, so that's been a good thing for him. shirt years to spend more time in the weight room under the bar uh, and, and really develop physically uh, his strength. I mean, just to give you kind of some snapshots of know what that might look like i mean he showed up on campus benching about 185 190 um now he's about a 235 240 pound bencher at 179 180 pounds um so as far as you know strength for his size or relative strength is what we uh use in the business i mean it, it's extremely extremely high you know he'll squat 405 plus he's pulled 405 on straight bar deadlifts i mean he's a very strong kid you know i was joking with him the other day i'm like all right we got this body weight on you uh, you know, your vertical last year was 43. Now we got to get to 45. He's, I got you, coach. Absolutely. No problem. Um, so he's, you know, that type of guy. Now, if we get to 45 or not, I don't know. If he does that, it's going to be impressive. He, um, You know, we do an NBA combine every summer and uh, come out, production comes out and films. It's a big deal for our guys, and it gets those guys ready for when they go to Chicago, like a TD um, did last year. Jarkel's standing vertical and his 15 foot or typically a three step approach vertical, both of those. Would have been number one in the NBA combine last year. Um, Flat footed, he jumps at 36 and a half, and his three step approach was a 43. Um, so, both of those, like I said, I think the 43 would have been tied for first with maybe Jordan Bone um, from Tennessee. But as far as just to let you understand his athleticism, um, you know, that's where his vertical numbers were even before Richard year.
0: So, when you want to try to get a guy stronger, what's the first thing you want to put him through? And cause I know you don't just throw them <sighs> under a bar and say, okay, let me see what you max. And now I want you to hit it, yeah. going three sets of this. You build them up to that,
3: right? Yeah. You know, we start, especially with our younger guys with a higher volume um, base plan. So, you know, you're talking, you're talking squat, deadlift, bench, you know, our compound even chin up to some degree with our compound movement, you know, we'll start, you know, four to five sets of tens to 12, you know, with adequate uh, load. Um, but it, that affords us a couple of things. One, Contrary um, to a popular belief, you know, heavy singles and doubles doesn't build uh, doesn't build mass as much as higher volume sets. I'm not talking 20s, 25s, but you know, you, you go in a in a gym and you see a bodybuilder, you, they're not training one rep, two rep, three reps. Those guys are 8, 10, 12, 15, um, and that's because that creates more stress on the muscle, breaks down more muscle tissue for it to rebuild bigger. So I say that because that's our guys that first come in. That's much more how our program. Um, is geared and aimed towards is, is you know our compound movements again. We're four four sets of twelve, four sets of ten um, to a get that volume to up with growth, but b that's that many more reps their body gets to perform and learn from a motor motor control standpoint. So instead of going five sets of five, and you only get twenty five reps. You know you're going you know four sets of twelve, you're getting forty eight. You're getting almost double. Um, so that's that many more reps for them to for their body, but to learn how to perform the movement correctly. It gives you more reps to coach. Um, to get those guys, you know, in the perfect movement pa- movement patterns and body positions uh, that you're attempting to get them in. So that's how I guess our if that answers your question. How when guys first get here versus you know when you're talking sophomore, junior, you know we're more in the five sets to five, five sets three, much more strength and power based uh, rep ranges.
0: IMG is different from other high schools. That's where top athletes go to really start to get the experience of college. But do you have any say in Matthew Morell now, or when does that start?
3: That starts when he gets on campus. Um, like you said, IMG is not your typical high school. Um, there, and I'm not sure if I'm sure Ole Miss has had some in the past, but IMG. They, I mean, they even run an NBA. I mean, an NFL. Excuse me, an NFL combine uh, program there from you know January until the NFL combine. So I mean, their weight room and strength staff and like uh, I mean is, I mean, almost collegiate level, if you will. Uh, so you know that he's still training with his team. You know, it's his senior year. Um, you know they're out trying to win a national championship so as far as me dictating or giving any input on his program you know i fully trust the staff down at img and what they're doing um and if you see matthew you know on the hoof up close in person you can you can tell they're doing a good job um so no he he's doing you know whatever img is asking him to do right now um with his team
0: do you start formulating a plan for him though right now
3: again he'll he'll kind of go through the um uh, the early program as well, and uh, like we talked about last time, you know, I don't keep everybody on that beginner program until, you know, for the same amount of time. It, it, it may be a week and guys are good to go. It, it may be six weeks. Um, so that that's something where that will kind of individualize there with him. As we get in here, we teach him our system. He goes through a week, you know, he can already back squat. He can already straight bar deadlift. And maybe we don't have to goblet squat and trap bar to begin with. Um, so those things will kind of work themselves out depending on, you know, how proficient um, he is in the movement.
0: As far as the 2019 signees, who's been the most improved in your room?
3: Most improved in my room. Yeah, I mean, look, man, again, last time I, I mean, talked to you was what, June, July? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, again, just because of his age and, and never having trained, it would be Sean Robinson. Um, you know, for a big guy, he can really, really bend and get into the body positions that, you know, a lot of guys, his height struggle to get into. Um, So that's been really good to see um, his ability to, you know, really, really run. Um, You know, he can get out and run like, I mean, maybe as well as uh, any big man I've had uh, since Pascal Siakam. I mean, he can really, really run. Um, So it it would be Sean for the body weight, um, his strength gains, um, and just the overall uh, approach to to how he trains.
0: I see you dictating where I was going next with my interview. I was going to ask you about Pascal. You tweet about him a lot. What's the relationship like? How far has he come? Where did it start? Just your thoughts overall on him and kind of where it all started for y'all.
3: Uh, it started with us at New Mexico State. Um, I w- was there as a GA, went back um, after a year as the head guy at Eastern Illinois with Kim Dameron, who used to be the safety coach here. Um, went back there, took over basketball, and the first time I saw him work out, he was doing an individual, with him and another big. And I walked back to the weight room, and I was like, guys, ask Siakam's a draft pick." And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, and there's no way. Like I'm not saying it's this year. I'm not saying it's the first round. That guy will wind up getting drafted. And that year he got drafted as the first round at 27th overall. Um, and I didn't, think be, I didn't think it would be that soon. I really didn't. Um, so it started there. Um, Pascal was kind of similar to a lot of guys. Needed to, you know, add body weight. I think he was 218 when I got him. He played at 240 that year consistently. Um, I mean, he broad jumped 10-6. I mean, that's like NFL wide receiver numbers. Um just extremely athletic, played soccer growing up. Um, You know, you hear about all these multi-sport athletes and uh, how it affects their overall development down the road. Um, I firmly believe that playing soccer um, for so long at such a young age really helped his footwork, his conditioning, um, his coordination, you know, kind of the whole deal there. Uh, So it started there. Um, I left for uh, Mississippi State football uh, around Christmas that year, and he got drafted in April, talked to every Uh, NBA team, except one, who I won't name. And, you know, they just all kind of, he needs to go back to school. He needs to go back to school. He's not ready. And then I would tell them his NBA combine numbers. And they're like, wait a second. He's going to test these numbers. And I said, I promise you he's going to test these numbers. I don't know, maybe about 15, ah, 12 to 15 teams. I want to talk to their sports performance or sports medicine staff about those as well. Showed up in Chicago, tested better than the numbers I had for him. Um, and wound up going in the first round. And that's kind of, you know, uh, why we tell these guys all the time about being able to show up in Chicago, you know, proficient, knowing the drills and how it can help you there. It's getting more similar to how that can help guys in the NFL combine. Um, So that really helped Pascal there. Uh, Started, I want to say, over half his games his rookie year going into the All-Star break. They traded for Serge Ibaka, and he wound up getting pushed down to the G League, became G League uh, MVP for the finals. They won it that year, him and Fred Van Fleet. Um, And then the rest is kind of history, the work ethic he possesses. Um, I went and watched him play last year against the Grizzlies and talked to him for a while after the game. Um, Just same humble guy, hasn't changed at all. And uh, I I expect that to be the way going forward with him. um, And kind of, again, Pascal having to earn it. Yeah, he was a first-round draft pick, but, you know, earned it all the way back up. Um, And then Fred, you know, that was a really good landing spot, I think, for TD. Um, for those hard nosed kind of work, work ethic guys rubbing off on TD. And then you see Kyle Lowry, all-star taking three charges in the all-star game last year. I mean, that's just, that's who they all are. They don't know how to turn it off. Um, so that's a great culture for TD to step into. And one that I feel like, you know, he can contribute to as well, because he's that kind of player. Um, so it's really good for me, you know, being able to watch, you know, Pascal and TD play together. It's a, it's a lot of fun and they actually play in Memphis, uh, march 28th this year which is my 30th birthday so i plan on going up there and uh celebrating uh my birthday by watching those two guys i'll be there too nice to, want want to ride up to, together then
0: yeah i know i was going to go talk to td that's got to be the most fulfilling thing for you as a strength coach when you see where guys started and then they end up at the highest level
3: yeah that's uh it is very rewarding um you know especially i mean those guys aren't changing their lives they're changing their family's lives I and mean, you get to know their family you know throughout their time there you know mother and father and brothers, and, you know, um, they're around a lot, especially, you know, with TD being from South Haven, so you get to know those and get to know them more so than, you know, Pascal with, you know, majority of the family being in Africa. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's extremely rewarding, especially when you know how hard they worked, um, you know, to earn it. And then, especially, guys, I mean, you've been around TD, you guys like that that make it as hard as they work. You're not surprised. Um, are you surprised he made it an impact this big this quickly? Maybe a little bit, but surprised that he made it absolutely not um so that's the, you know the most rewarding thing is the, the work they put in you know whether it's extra work in the weight room or on the floor uh and seeing those guys make it and, and change their family's lives is just i mean it's, it's nothing like it
0: absolutely ridiculous that td was left at home for the rising stars game
3: I'm going to go with no comment on that one, but okay. he definitely could have uh, participated, in, <laughs> participated in that one in the, and, and affected that game. Uh, but sometimes you don't make things like that. People talk about it more. Maybe you get more press and publicity. And, and I mean, Kendrick Perkins tweeted at him about not making it. And I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's, uh, maybe you get more, My whole more deal views is, that way. I don't know.
0: He doesn't get drafted. He goes out and proves it and shows it. Gets a one-year guarantee. He's done enough to show you guys. you get, you got to stop forgetting about TD. It's only going to make him perform even more.
3: No question. And I I went up to his draft party um, back in June. And, uh, you know, he comes back in. Hey, I just talked to my agent. Uh, I'm not going to name team. But this team and this team, is trying to draft me and put me in a two-way contract. I'm not taking it. I'm going undrafted. I'm going to earn it. And just, like, how genuine and calm and I don't know. I mean, I'll remember that moment probably for the rest of my career, just how he's just wasn't even phased by, it. you're like, oh, like this dude, I mean, he might've went to the gym that night the way, you know, he just, how calm, cool and collected and serious you know, he was when he said that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what it, him and his agent thinks he needs to do. That's what he needs to do. And, uh, obviously it's paid off.
0: Yeah. I tell this story all the time. It's my favorite TD story. Uh, he and I were just sitting there talking at the practice facility, sitting in those chairs out in front of, uh, the secretary's office there. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about the pros and the options he'd have. And, you know, I was trying to, it's like in politics, you know, before a primary or whatever, in a particular campaign, it's trying to lower expectations. TD, you got overseas, they make a lot of money overseas. This, this, I'm, I'm going through every option. He just looks at me dead-eyed and says, oh, Ben, I'm making the NBA. He said, you you can say whatever you want. I'm, I'm going to be in the NBA and I'm going to make it. And I went, okay, yeah. all right.
3: And yeah, sure here it's enough, just, <laughs> here he is. And it's not arrogance with him. It's just. Straight confidence. He's as humble as they come, um, and I mean, you think about him—he I mean, very well, and it's hard to be hard hard to argue against him. I mean, he probably could have been a receiver in the NFL, um, yeah. and that's what everybody was pushing him to do. But he he loved hoops and he wanted you know wanted to play ball. And then you know, I tell these guys all the time who you know playing time. Maybe they thought they were gonna play a little more. Or maybe they thought they were gonna get a few more shots. I'm like, can he average one point seven or one point nine, whatever it was points a game as a freshman? Like, that doesn't it doesn't matter where you start. It matters what you do between there and. And when you finish, whether you get to go as a sophomore, junior, senior, whatever, fifth year, senior, whatever it takes. Um, and it, so he's a good example for our program as far as how he's just wasn't happy with his role and work changed. Have you gotten to know Wilson Love yet? I have not met Wilson yet. Um, I've been through the weight room a couple of times, picking up some weight gainer and different things um, down there, but he's always been in a meeting um, or, or, you know, things like that. So I have not got to meet Wilson yet.
0: How does that work with other sports, other strength conditioning coaches? Is it like a little fraternity?
3: It is. um, You know, it's even until about uh, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. um, You know, you had your football head football strength coach and, you know, four assistants or whatever it may be. And then those assistants with football had one, two, three other sports. Um, So as far as sports performance goes, the models really changed um a lot the past 10 years you know getting you know putting strength coaches on the road uh, you know that didn't really happen much you know before about 10 11 years ago besides football um so it's, it's changed so I'd say you know it's a fraternity but it's much more not much more for me at least it's more like sports specific base. so you know I've got you know 10 12 guys that I'm really close to in the basketball profession that you know I'll talk to, you know, once every week, once every two weeks. And then, you know, we have our monthly meetings on campus as far as, you know, all the strength staff getting together and things like that as well. Um, so it's definitely uh, a fraternity to some degree, um, you know, with those things. As far as talking about the ideas help each other, you know, what things are working for you. You know, I've changed this up and it's been, you know, it's been good for me. Um, so, you know, we're all about trying to help the athletes, you know, as much as possible and, and not necessarily – you know, ego-driven where, you know, I do this and it's working, so I'm not telling anybody else. You know, that, there's not much of that. So I think there's a lot, you know, as far as that aspect, uh, there is a, a fraternity-type feel to it. Well,
0: thanks for doing this, man. He's Rodley Allen, strength and conditioning coach for Ole Miss men's basketball. Ole Miss basketball goes to Columbia, to Missouri um, on Tuesday. Almost pulled off the win at Kentucky. Some questionable calls at the end. He won't comment, so I'm not even going to ask. But thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again.
3: Thanks, man. I appreciate you, man.
0: That was old Miss Men's Basketball Strength and Conditioning Coach Riley Allen. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. We'll get right back to Colin Brister at Colin Brister. But first, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market... You need only look in one place, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email. Hello at the Lamar The Lamar Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of talk of champions. When spring arrives, you know, what comes with it, allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. And it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662 234 7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Chaney'sPharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Back with me now is Colin. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Benton on Twitter. What are you most looking forward to in Ole Miss Sports this week,
2: Colin? Look, I've said baseball for a while now, but I think it's basketball this week. Simply because, look, you know, we've talked about you know how they get back into this tournament picture thing, and there is a path, um, even losing it rough, But I think they've got to go. No, I don't think they have to go two and zero this weekend. Uh, this week, they got to figure out a way to win at Missouri, and they got to figure out a way to beat Alabama at home. Um, if you put yourself at six and eight, you got a chance. You know, the the path is pretty simple. You got three home games. You can't lose any of them. You got three road games. You got to win two of them. Um, and then you go to Nashville and fight and try to win two games and put yourself in position. Um, I think you got to go five and one, but I think that's more doable than, than most people think. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that I predicted it to happen, but I would think Ole Miss wins in Columbia on Tuesday night and crazier things have happened than Ole Miss winning in Auburn and winning or winning in Starkville. So I, uh, I think I, you know, I'm interested in this basketball team. They're playing a whole lot better. If they continue to play the way they're playing, um, I think they're going to give themselves an opportunity to at least have a conversation about what they need to do in Nashville.
0: Quanzo's teams are always tough, competitive. They just came off a win against Auburn. You're right. Need to go 2-0, go to Auburn, win that game, come home, beat Vanderbilt, of course, beat Missouri at home. Of course it's going to be at Mississippi State. Yeah, oh, God. It's always
2: like that, isn't hey, it? Look, look, if you offer Kermit Davis – Right now, that hey, you win at Mississippi State to go to the NCAA tournament, I bet he'd take it. If this team goes 10 and 8 in the SEC, they would go that finishing six, and I was 10 and 8. You don't think they'd lock it up? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. It's I'm not a
2: saying doing that. Matter of fact, I'm saying they're not, but I just,
0: the thing I'm most looking forward to in Oma sports this week, I don't care about Arkansas State, I'm talking about baseball or Alcorn. The weekend they got Xavier. I guess it's almost basketball. Yeah, I'm with you. That game at Columbia. Those Missouri teams under Kwanzo, they're usually tough. And almost last year had to beat Missouri on the road in Columbia to make the NCAA tournament. I was there. It was a dog fight. Expect the same thing. So yeah, I think I'd go with that too.
2: You're not gonna make the trek to Missouri tomorrow. Are you? No,
1: <laughs>
2: that's a haul. I'm not doing it.
0: Almost <sighs> baseball was just fun this weekend. You and I were bullish on this team. You more than me. I still liked them. Beating Louisville two out of three and backdooring it, it's just, it gives you a different feeling on Monday.
2: It's funny because if you'd ask somebody at eight o'clock on Friday night after you know, Detmers had just shoved and they didn't really do anything on offense, it was, oh, this team's too young. They're going to miss the postseason. And now, you know, it's 48 hours later. It's like, well, I'll probably host a regional.
0: Yeah, it's just weird how almost fans, they're ready to be angry at Mike Bianco. Yeah. Friday night, there is absolutely no reason to go immediately to, oh, it's Mike Bianco again. (laughs) It's the first game of the year Against against one of the best pitchers in the country who anchors one of the top rotations in the country for the best team in the country. And yet, Ole Miss fans, because they're wired a certain way, one loss is the end of the world, but that's not baseball. And I wrote a 247 note on Friday night, a reminder that baseball is a marathon and not a sprint. It didn't matter. People immediately said, yeah, but this marathon has been the same 20-year marathon. Oh, God.
2: Chill. Just chill.
0: It's one game. And where are those people on Monday? Nowhere to be found.
2: You know what? I am excited about this because we we sat here and everybody last year was, I don't care what they do in the regular season. It's all about the postseason. I am somewhat excited that people are going to enjoy the regular season again this year.
0: And listen, I have been very vocal. I don't love the game of college baseball. I was totally captivated the last two days, and not just because Ole Miss won. It's the quality of the baseball. Now, the pitching was still pretty bad yeah, outside of Sunday. But entertainment value, you got everything you could want out of two college
2: baseball teams. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about the pitching, and it wasn't great. But Ole Miss didn't really walk people. Um, no, Louisville they were just getting earned, hit. It was fine. Yeah, Louisville earned everything they got pretty
0: much. That and team is annoying. Foul and foul and, and foul and, and foul and, and That's what good teams do.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. That's a really good way to put it. They are annoyed because Derek Diamond had a good day, and I don't think he struck, but maybe two guys out.
0: Struck out one guy. One guy. Goodness. One guy and walked one. Pesky. All right. So have you authored your number about how many they're going to win this year?
2: No, I haven't. I'm not going to. Look, I think this, I, I think I said 37 and 19, 16 and 14. I'm going to stick with it. Um, I think they've got a real chance to run off a gaudy number in uh, non conference play, though. Um, cause I like what they have midweek, but I, 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 think this team right now is a 12 to 13 seed and going to host a regional, I'll have to go on the road for a super. So that's kind of what my projection is. I'm going to stay with it for right now. I know nothing about Xavier. Tell me about him. Oof. Um, collectively as a team this year, Xavier, I don't know anything about them. I do know that they're usually a pretty good big East team. Um, they usually make their finals of their tournament. So, I mean, I don't think this they've, – they've made the NCAA tournament recently, too. So, do I think Ole Miss sweeps this weekend? I do. I do think there's a chance that some of these – or maybe one or two of these games are competitive, though. Um, Xavier's not going to be the team that runs out there and throws 84 to 85 miles an hour. I do think you'll you – have to line up and earn it this weekend, but I think Ole Miss will – I think Ole Miss takes three.
0: What gave you the hardest Ole Miss baseball stiffy this weekend? Ooh, that's a good question.
2: Um, so, I, in, in full disclosure, I was coaching a game on Saturday and didn't get to watch Saturday. So, um, if if I got to see Gunner pitch, it was probably been him because I I, I love that kid. But uh, Peyton Chatney, look, look, Peyton Chatney talking noise to the guy at the end of the game on Sunday. That made me feel it. That that one made me feel it. I'm not gonna lie.
0: I looked over to Chase Borum. Chase and I went to Ole Miss. We grew up Ole Miss fans. We're the same exact path as far as what we do now to who we right. were. Okay. So I looked over at him. We're walking out to talk to Mike and the players after the game. And Hayden has just done the strike him out, throw him out. And I went, I'm not going to lie. I kind of got the juices going a little bit. He's like, yeah, that's pretty good. I was like, What's was the last yep. time you really got fired up? And we had a discussion about that. Because it's been so
2: long. Yeah. But when Hayden did that, I, I kind of did a little fist pump to myself just because it felt big. You mentioned uh, going out to talk to Mike. You didn't ask Mike about how Dunhurst played defensively, did you? Oh, boy.
0: Poor Rippy. (laughs) Poor, poor Rippy. Poor guy. Pop time, average MLB pop time is 2.0. Hayden Dunhurst has been clocked at 1.81, and that was on full display.
2: Yeah. A lot of the uh, pop times that you read are fake. His is not fake. It's real.
0: It's not. But poor, poor Rippy. (laughs) If anyone wants to know what we're talking about, Brian Scott Rippy and Mike Bianco have the weirdest relationship. For some reason, Mike is always at the ready to bite Rippi's head off when Rippi asks a question. And this weekend, he dared to ask about Hayden Dunhurst's defense, and Mike
2: just wasn't having it. <laughs> I've never been asked about a catcher defensively. It's like, Mike, come on, bro. I can play the quote if you want me to. Yeah, I think you should.
0: <laughs> what you think of Dunhurst defensively?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to judge catchers in, in, in one game. You know, we, he's going to be terrific. You know, he had a tough pass ball tonight, but then a great job throwing a guy out. You know, it's tough to uh, – write writing a story on Dunhurst? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> okay. No, you no, it's just, just you know, tough. Bigger picture. I don't think I've ever had anybody ask about how, how he was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Our uh, poor, poor friend Rippy.
2: Yeah, Rippy uh, text me. Or sent me a message right after the game. It was like, Mike just chewed my head off. It's day one. I'm like, well, you've got three months of this champ. <sighs> Such an innocent question. Yeah, he wasn't meaning anything about like of the look, I love everybody on that beat, but of the people that are like going to go after someone, I think Riffy might be the last one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can be a jerk. Go after me, but that guy. Uh. <laughs> It's ben, talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. When you do, what do we do? Leave a five Legal. star was- review. See, Colin gets it. Okay, yeah. yeah, he listens. Also available in Spotify and SoundCloud. Just simply search talk of champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate two four seven Sports. Thanks, buddy. We'll do it again.
2: Absolutely presented by T-Mobile,
0: the official wireless partner of Odyssey sports with an awesome network and great savings. There's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
3: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need.
2: Plus,